0: If you have your Bible this morning, I'd ask you to turn with me to Ephesians 2.10. title of my message today is Every Christian is a Minister. I want to set this uh, text up, uh, so if you'll kind of hang on to it there, we'll get to it in just a minute. For three weeks, when Elvis Presley's uh, album of his greatest hits came out, it was the number one album in the country. Guess what? It was years after he had died. Now, in spite of his enormous success, all of his friends said, his family said, that he was an unfulfilled and unhappy man. I don't know if you read about him at all or followed his life at all, but He died of obesity and drug uh, use when he was 42 years old. In an interview with his wife, Priscilla, she said about her husband, Elvis never came to terms with who he was. He never knew what his purpose in life was. He thought he was here for a reason, maybe to preach, maybe to serve, maybe to just care for a certain group of people. That agonizing desire of knowing his purpose was always with him, and he knew that he was not fulfilling the purpose that he was supposed to do. So he would go on stage, and when he was on stage, of course, everybody uh, thought he was great, and he would just get involved with singing, and he was really happy when he was singing. But most of the rest of the time, he was not happy at all. Well, let me ask you this morning, what is God's purpose for your life? Elvis never found his. Have you found yours? Could your main purpose in life be to serve some other people? Elvis felt like he was here to do something. It was important, he thought, in his life. He just couldn't figure out what it was, his wife said. I hope that not one person in this room will make that same mistake. Your life is not over. Every once in a while I visit with somebody and they say, well, my my life is over. No, it's not. You know, we need to have a goal for tomorrow. You know, something that we're going to accomplish tomorrow. We need to have a goal for next week. We need to have a goal. Uh, for the rest of our lives, something significant, something imper- important. I want to do something really, really important with my life. You know, this uh, year I'm enjoying very much going to my window every day and opening it and seeing what's happening to the uh, building out there. Uh, to me, that's very exciting. Uh, I really uh, am into that. I want to see that thing go up and every day. They do a little more, and it goes up a little more. And I think about the wonderful results that are going to come of a lot more Bible study classes, a lot more activities, a a great choir, uh, music, ministry area. It's just going to be really great. And I get really excited about that. I think about the rest of uh, my life. You know, what purpose is the rest of my life uh, going to bring? And every once in a while I think about writing a book. Uh, some funny stories uh, that have happened along the way, some theology that I think is important. Uh, what's uh, your goal for tomorrow? What's your goal for this next week? You know, the the folks that uh, study this kind of thing for a living say that if you don't write it down, if you don't know what it is, then it's all kind of blurry you got to know exactly what it is, what goal you're trying to reach, what purpose you're trying to fulfill. What's your goal for the rest of your life? The Bible says in our text this morning, Ephesians 2.10, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God has prepared in advance for those who... And for us to do. Amen. We're to do it. Um, now, you were not made uh, to make a contribution. Uh, you were not made to just fool around uh, with little things over here and little things over here. You were, ma- you were made, you were supposed to not just be a consumer, you know, we have a lot of people in America, just consumers. They just consume, you know, this, that, and the other, all the time. That's what they're about. They go shopping every chance they get. They buy stuff every chance they get. They're consumers. You know, God has not called us uh, to, that, to that life. God made you to make a difference. And what matters is not how long you live. It's how you live. What matters is not the duration of your life, it's the donation of your life. On this planet, nobody gets a free ride. We're all meant to give something back, to help, to minister, to serve, some purpose, some person, all along our life's way. The Bible says that we are created to serve. We are saved to serve. We are gifted to serve. We are commanded to serve. Now, if you're not a believer yet, the first thing that you are commanded to do is to break through that barrier of disbelief. That's the first thing that you need to do. That was the first step for all of us that are believers here this morning. First, we align ourselves, our lives with Christ, and then God begins to mold within us an assignment, a job, a task, a goal that he wants us to fulfill. He begins to equip us to do that which he assigns us to do. That equipping, that assignment that God makes for us Begins to come clear to us, never did to Elvis, but it begins to come clear to us as we pray about it, as we seek godly counsel. You know, one of the great things about this church is that there are a lot of people in this church that have been walking with Jesus for 70, 80, some 90 years. And they can give great counsel. They've walked with him, loved him, prayed to him, lived for him for a long, long time. So you can get great counsel from some of the folks in this church. And then finally, of course, we want to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. We want to think, now what is it that the Holy Spirit is trying to tell me to do and to become and to accomplish in the name of the Lord Jesus? Well, your purpose in life is to be what God made you to be. He gave you gifts and talents and abilities, a background, experiences, all these things for the benefit of other people, to be used in your life by serving others. You know what uh, uh, you're supposed to do while you're here on earth? Uh, You weren't put here just to take up space. Uh, You weren't here to just consume and get a free ride. Some people want to serve God, they just don't want to serve people. Uh, Some people really don't like people very much. And uh, they kind of withdraw. But you know what? You can't do it that way. The only way that you can serve God is to serve people. Have you ever thought about that? That's true. Now, the Bible has a word for this. It's called ministry. When I say the word minister, most people think of a pastor or a missionary or a priest or somebody that uh, wears a funny collar or a great big hat or a robe or they talk like God You know, they think of somebody like that. But the Bible says that every believer is a minister. Everyone. Now, not every believer is a pastor, but every believer is to be a minister. In the Bible, the word for service and the word for ministry are the same word. It's the same word. And in the Bible, the words for servant and the word for minister, it's the same word. So all of us that are here this morning are called to ministry. We're called to do something. We're called to help other folks. So you say, well, I'm not called to the ministry. Well, yes, you are. You certainly are. You are called after your salvation. You are called to serve. Now, I want us to do something this morning that you've probably never done, but I want you to lean over to the person next to you and say to them, You are supposed to be a minister. Now, do it right now. Just lean over and tell the people. Did they say it with emphasis? That's good. That's good. Uh, I, the truth is, is that every Christian is supposed to serve as a minister. Anytime that you use your talent to help somebody else, you're ministering. Uh, you're serving. All women are supposed to be ministers. All men are supposed to be ministers. All older teenagers that have already trusted in the Lord are supposed to be ministers. All senior adults are supposed to be Ministers, uh, if we're believers, we are called to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know how many of you went through the 40 Days of Purpose uh, material, great material, but it says in there that life is preparation for what? For eternity. Life here is preparation for eternity. Uh, God wants us to do here what we're going to be doing there. For the 60, 80, 90 years that you have here, you're supposed to be practicing what you're going to be doing in heaven forever. Forever. Uh, One of the things that you're going to do in heaven is serve God, and you're going to serve others. And what God put you on earth to do is to practice, practice, practice practice. He wants you to learn how to serve. Now, the good news is, is that God not only created us for service, but he gave us a model. You know, if we can watch somebody do something, it really helps us to be able to do it. You know, we need an example. We need a a teacher to kind of show us how to do it. Guess what? The Lord sent his son to earth. He became a man. He lived among us. He said to the disciples, I want you to watch me. See how I'm doing this. This is the way you do it. This is how you care. This is how you love. This is how you perceive situations. And that's exactly what the disciples were trying to do. Uh, He came to earth in the form of a man. And he said, this is what I want you to do With your life. You were created to be like Christ. And what did Christ do while he was here on earth? He ministered. The whole time he was here, he ministered. Matthew 20, verse 28, uh, Jesus said, Your attitude must be like my own. For I came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus said, do it outwardly. Don't just be receiving. Give out the service. You know, a lot of people uh, spend a lot of their time searching for self-esteem. That's what they want more than anything else is self-esteem, self-worth, significance. They want to feel real good about themselves, but they're looking in the wrong places for those things. You don't get self-esteem from your status. You don't get self-esteem from sex. You don't get your self-esteem from your salary. The Bible says that you get your self-esteem from service. Service. The greatest thrill in all the world is to do something and to do it well for the Lord God Almighty. I don't want to beat this drum too much today, but Debbie and Dave that I mentioned earlier, they're doing a great job. Our choir up here, you know, I go out and visit a lot of people, and almost invariably during my visit sometimes they'll say to me, Pastor, I just love your choir. That director that you have is real good. (laughs) And I always say immediately, boy, he is, and they are. (laughs) And, And that's service. And you know when you give your best to the choir... Boy, everybody can tell it. Uh, You know, when you give your best to listening in the congregation, you know, it makes a real difference. Because the line that you might miss would be the line that you need the most. What does it take to learn to serve like Jesus did? Well, serving like Jesus means to be available. We've got to be available. One day, Jesus was walking to Jericho, and some blind men were over by the side of the road, and they called out. They said, Lord, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped. And he turned toward them, and he kind of motioned for them to come over. And they came over, and he said, what would you like for me to do for you? Jesus stopped if you want to be used by God, if you want to serve God, then you've got to be willing to be interrupted. Most of Jesus' ministry and most of Jesus' miracles were done as he was being interrupted. You think about it. Think of all the people that he healed along the way. There was the blind man, the lame man, the sick people, the paralyzed man, the dead child. All of those were interruptions. His first miracle, he was at a wedding. And they interrupted the, the wedding and uh, called him to do some ministry. Uh, at his second miracle, he was interrupted on the way to Galilee. He stopped. He stopped and served in the situation there. You know, a lot of people like to follow in the steps of Jesus Something you might think about as the next time you're reading through the New Testament. You want to think about the stops he made. When Jesus stopped along the way, what did he do? And you'll find that so much of his ministry that we know about was an interruption. All the ministry he did, he did because he allowed himself to be interrupted. The Bible says this, Proverbs 3.28. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. Now. Servant-hearted people don't procrastinate. Have you ever called somebody and asked for help, and they say, Well, I can come two weeks from now at 10 (laughs) o'clock. Or they say, uh, Can't do it today, can't do it tomorrow. Uh, How long is this going to take? Can't do it the next day, I don't think. Let me check my calendar. I'll call you back. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. Servant-hearted people don't procrastinate. They're spontaneous. They're sensitive. They say, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. You have to be available. They're hurting people, as you know, all around us. Uh, You've got to help them now. Uh, What keeps us from being available? You see, a lot of us uh, say this. I'd like to be used of God. I'd like to see his power in my life. I'd like to serve him, but I'm just not available. I'm busy. I've got appointments. I've got to do things this. I've got to do that. I've got to go over there. I've got to see him. I've got to see her. I've got to go to this meeting. I just can't do it. I'm just not available. Well, what is it that keeps us from being available? Let me give you three common barriers from being available. Number one is self-centeredness. The Bible says, forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Philippians 2.4. Whenever you see a need right in front of you, guess what? God is opening up a door for you to serve, for you to have a ministry. We say, well, I am really, really busy. I don't have time to serve. I've got my agenda. I've got my plans. I've got my dreams. I've got my goals. I've got my ambitions. I can't do that. You know what the problem is? We hang a little sign over our heart and the sign says, do not disturb. That's what it says. Right over our heart, do not disturb. Don't disturb my heart. I've got goals. I've got a safe little life over here that I'm living and nobody much bothers me. And I like it that way. Well, the problem with that is that we're not doing much for the Lord Jesus. He wants us to know and to serve the needs of some other folks. A second barrier to being used by God is perfectionism. Do you know any perfectionists? Do you know anybody like that? Uh, they want every single thing to be perfect. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, If you wait, For perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Did you know that was in the Bible? It is. Ecclesiastes 11.4. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Uh, You know, real servants, Christ-like servants, they do the best they can with what they have. They just go ahead and do it. They don't wait. It doesn't uh, have to be perfect for God to bless it. That's the truth. If if God only used perfect people, what would he get done? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not one thing. Zip, zero. We are all a bunch of sinners. We have weaknesses. We have faults, we have failures, we have handicaps. But guess what? God can use every person in this room. He can hit a mighty lick with even a crooked stick. Did you know that? He can. God doesn't use perfect people because there aren't any. God uses normal people just like you. Number three is materialism. Materialism is the third barrier that keeps us from being able and available to serve. The Bible says no servant can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. Now, that's impossible to do both of those. Uh, You know, a lot of us have a lot of things. And the more things we have, the, the more things break. And, you know, the more they break, the more appointments we have to have for people to come and fix those things. <laughs> I never will forget, Cindy and I moved, and um, we got a new house, and we had a bunch of things in there. I didn't know how to work. And uh, I think we had three people there at one time fixing things. I had no idea how to do it. Well, it takes a lot of time. You know, if you're more concerned about all the things than you are about people, you're not going to accomplish very much in the Lord's service. That's a problem. The most important decision that you're going to make in life is, after you become a believer is, am I going to be a kingdom builder or am I going to take care of all my things? Now, really, think about that. Now, if God wants to give you wealth, that's great. That's wonderful. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to uh, depreciate that in any way. Uh, That's wonderful. But it's not supposed to be the number one goal of your life. We don't take our wealth to heaven, but we do take our character. I started this message uh, today talking about Elvis. A curious fact about uh, Elvis, he won only one Grammy. He won it for an album out of the 250 million records that he sold. He had one album that was a religious album. And he recorded it under the title, He Touched Me. And the song on that album expresses... Uh, What I'm trying to get across today. Let me read the words to the song. After the lightning and thunder, after the last bell has rung, I want to bow down before Jesus and hear him say, Well done, my son. He is my reason for living. He is my king of kings. I long to be his possession. He is my everything. Question. Is God going to be able to say to you at the end, well done, well done, you've served me long and hard, well done. Is he going to say that to you or have you been out worried about all the things all your life? Well, is there anything in your schedule where you're giving back unselfishly or are you too busy? To do that, one day Napoleon pointed to a map of China and he says, there's a a sleeping giant. If that thing ever awakes, it's going to be a powerful, powerful thing. I think every Sunday morning as we come and gather together in this church, I think to myself, you know, if we could get every single person that comes to our church involved in some ministry, involved in some place of service, we could literally... Turn this area upside down. I mean, upside down. I mean, it would be just so glorious we wouldn't even hardly believe what we were doing ourselves. Well, I make no apology this morning for saying to you that the most important thing that you're going to do in your life is serving God in ministry. It's far more important than your career It's far more important than your habits. Uh, It's far more important than your hobbies. It's even more important than everything else you can think of. Because those things are not going to last. You were put here on earth to practice serving. And that is going to last. Well, let's pray together. Father, forgive us for the times we have put a do not disturb sign right on our heart. Help us to see the interruptions in life as an opportunity to serve you. Help us to make time for what matters most. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, folks, uh, we're going to give what we call an invitation. We're going to invite people that are here, some people that are here that are thinking about becoming a Christian. You've been thinking about it, maybe praying about it for a long time, but you've never done it. Well, today we want to call you out, call you to come forward, call you to take a stand for the living Savior to make a public profession of your faith. That's what Jesus did. He would preach, teach, a big crowd of people. He'd say, now those of you that will come and follow me, slip out, slip forward. And they did it. Today, I want to ask you to confess your sins and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and be saved in these very moments. I want to ask you to come and and join our church and be a part of the ministering Team, Be a part of serving the risen Savior. If we'll do that, God will bless in such an unbelievable way. It, it just, it'll blow our minds. It really will. I'm going to stand down here at the front. We're going to stand in just a second and sing together. If the Lord is leading you to make a decision that would honor him, I pray today that you'd do it. Just slip out. Slip forward. Take a stand for Jesus. Let's stand as we
1: sing together.